We live in, in a very offense-centered society, and it seems to be getting worse. In fact, Jesus predicted this in a prophecy he gave in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 10. He's talking about the end age in which we live, as we all know. He says in Matthew 24, verse 10, at that time, talking about our day, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So uh, he's talking about our day, the end time. Notice verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And that's our age today. And he talks about, in the King James Version, it says, many will betray one another, many will be offended. Many will be f offended of one thing or another. So we are living in that age today, and people just seem to be so hypersensitive. Who would have ever thought that we live in an age, we would live in an age like today, when if you refer to somebody who seems to be a male, and they have had a change of thought about what they feel that they are, they would be offended if you would say, hey buddy, you know, and they consider themselves now to be feminine. In their mind, they changed. They're a female now, even though they look like a guy, and vice versa. There are women who no longer feel like they're a woman. They feel that their sexual identity has changed. So if you refer to them as a woman or use the pronoun she, they get very offended. So where does it end? I mean, it's getting crazy. So Jesus says, this is a sign of the end of the age. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So that's where we find ourselves as Christians. And like uh, Greg Williams said, it's like we're swimming up, upstream or driving against traffic. Very difficult situation. I want to turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But nevertheless, living in this end-time society where many are offended by this or that, we have been called to be different. We talked last week about how God has shed his love abroad in each of our hearts. So it's not just human love that we have, it's God's love that he has imbued us with. So that gives us the ability to live differently, to have a different outlook on people. And in fact, it says here in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about having God's love, how should we then conduct ourselves? Well, the way Jesus conducted himself, because it's Jesus' love that we have. And he describes it here by saying that love, which we now have in us, God's love, love is patient toward other people, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. Now that word for angered there can be translated angered or provoked or offended. So as Christians, we should not be easily offended by other people. He goes on to say, 
It keeps no record of wrongs. So we don't hold grudges against people because of what they may have done to us in the past. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So God has given us a powerful tool to use in this end time society. In the face of all these people who are so easily offended and who also so easily offend others. Having God's love, what kind of people should we be? Well, we just read it because that's the way Jesus was, not easily angered. So to become easily offended means you're unloving. You're not using God's love, which he has given you. So before we speak to anybody, before we tweet anybody, before we text anybody, before we post something online to anybody, any type of communication, before we do that, we should ask ourselves five questions. Take note of these. Is it true what I'm about to say or text or communicate to someone else? Is it true? Or is it just rumor? Is it just hearsay? So after we ask ourselves, is what we're about to say true? Then we should say, number two, is it helpful? And if it's not going to be helpful to say what I'm going to say to somebody, I should just keep my mouth shut. Is it true? Is it helpful? Number three, is it inspiring? Is it uplifting for this person? Or is it going to be putting this person down? The fourth question is, is it kind? Is it kind? And number five, even if all of those things fall into line, the last question is, is it necessary? You know, you may know something, something about another person, and you know, you could say it to them and it would be speaking the truth, but is it necessary? There are things that we know are true that we don't need to talk about, that are personal or private or whatever the case may be. You know, Jesus, in all the things done against him when he was on earth here, in every offense made against him, and he was offended more than we could ever suffer offense in a hundred of our lifetimes. When you read the Gospels, he was offended from the beginning to the end of his life. You know, all through his life, since Mary had him as a virgin, he was accused of being a child of fornication. You know, guys would continually say, at least we weren't born of fornication like you were, because he didn't have a father at the time when he was born. It was a, a miracle birth by the Holy Spirit. And he was also offended, or, or he wasn't personally offended, but others offended him. Whenever he did a good deed and performed a miracle, people were following him saying, you know what? He did that miracle by the power of Satan. Can you imagine how he felt? Here he is doing good deeds, healing people, performing miracles, turning water to wine, bringing people back to life from the dead, and people were accusing him of being empowered by Satan himself. So in all the things he experienced, he was never, not once, personally offended by anything that anybody said to him. If Jesus wasn't offended by such extremes, 
Why should we be offended by lesser things that people do to us? And you know what? We're dedicated to following his example. So we have no excuse. So when hurts come, when somebody says something to us, first of all, what we should do is take a personal inventory. I mean, if somebody accuses us of something, we need to think to ourselves, do I do that? Or have I done that? If I have, I need to repent. But if I haven't done that, we need to let it go. We can't let everything somebody says or everything somebody does to us, we can't let it hurt us and offend us. It didn't offend Jesus, and he put up with a whole lot more than we ever did. Notice the scripture in Proverbs 12 and verse 16. Proverbs 12, verse 16. You see, human nature says when somebody does something like that to you, you got to get revenge. you got to get up in their face and, and threaten them or sue them or, you know, whatever. But God's way is different. Jesus' way was different. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 16, a fool shows his annoyance at once. You know, as soon as somebody does something, you, you got like a... a trigger finger quickness to get back at them, to insult them right back, to accuse them right back. A fool shows his annoyance at once, quickly, but a prudent man or woman overlooks an insult. In this world, there are going to be people who really like you, people who really love you, and there are going to be people who maybe don't think too much of you for whatever reason. It might be a personality clash. Uh, who knows what it could be? It could be something that you did or they thought that you did in the past. Whatever the case may be, we need to overlook it and move on with our lives. We can't, uh, you know, take that as a stumbling block in our Christian life. So we can't be quick to get back at people. We can't have an attitude of, kind of having a chip on our shoulder. I don't know if you remember, but years ago, this probably went back to the 80s, there was a commercial for Ever Ready Batteries, and Robert Conrad, uh, an actor, real tough guy, if you remember a show called The Wild Wild West, he was the original James West. And in this commercial though, because he was a tough guy for many years in this television show, he's advertising Ever, Ever Ready Batteries, and what he does is he put the puts the batteries on his shoulder, and he says, knock it off, I dare you. <laughs> because if you knock it off, he's going to clobber you, okay? But that's the way some people are. They've got a hair trigger when it comes to anybody who looks at them the wrong way, let alone insults them or spreads rumors about them. We cannot have that human nature attitude of wanting to get back. Now. I asked my wife's permission about this. She demonstrated that attitude, unfortunately, the wrong attitude. A couple of years ago, she was driving home from work and she was coming down this street right here. She passed the get-go gas station and as she was driving by the entranceway, some guy was pulling out and she thought he hit her, the passenger side door. So this guy took off like a shot in his car and you know what my wife did? She followed him. She followed him. She was determined that this guy was not going to get away with this. So she was trying to get his uh, license plate number. 
And you know how far she followed him? She followed him from this uh, freeway entrance here all the way to the turnpike entrance. All the way north of uh, Austin Town by uh, North Jackson there. And she's calling me saying, John, John, I'm following this guy. He hit my car. I said, why are you following him? I got to get his license plate number. I got to find out who this is. I said, Mary, back off. And she called the police, too, while she was driving. And she told the police what she was doing. This guy hit my car, and I'm trying to get his uh, license plate number. And they said, lady, back off. Stop following him. And she followed him all the way till he got on the turnpike. And at least she didn't follow him on the turnpike. Who knows where she would have ended up? Pennsylvania, Indiana? So I kid her about that. But it's a true story. It's a, and she's repented of that, and she has changed. She's changed for the better. Now she's determined to follow Jesus' example. We can all rejoice in that, can't we? I was reading an article by a Christian writer that I enjoy reading, uh, and he came up with a, a solution to what to do when somebody offends you or upsets you. And he designed something that he called a box. You can get a cardboard box, and on it he wrote, daily stupid stuff. Daily stupid stuff. And his outlook was, you know what, in this fallen world, in this world, like Jesus said, where everybody's out to offend, to offend others, or to be offended, he said there's a lot of stuff that you just got to write off. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, somebody cuts in front of you in the grocery store as you're checking out, somebody makes a comment, maybe out of anger or frustration, you can't let that get to you. He says what you got to do is take it and throw it in the stupid stuff box, the daily stupid stuff box. Everyday stupid stuff is going to happen, and you can't dwell on it. You can't hang on to that sort of thing. You can't seek revenge. You can't let it anger you because it'll eat away at you. Countless things happen every day to people, including to us. And he said we cannot let the daily stupid stuff ruin our day. Little things become big things if we dwell on them. So we, as Christians, have to have the capacity to write that off and to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. That guy who cut me off in traffic, you know what, I'm never going to see that guy again for the rest of my life. So why worry about it? Why let it get me all upset? When you go to work and somebody says something negative about you, maybe the boss gets on your case, think to yourself, you know what, he's having a bad day. I can tell he's stressed out. What he said, he probably didn't mean fully, but you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to write it off. I'm going to stick it in the box called Daily Stupid Stuff. This stuff happens every day. And we can't let every little thing get in our craw. And don't look back in that box. Once you put it in the box, <laughs> mentally speaking, don't look back at it and search it out. Because it's only going to make it worse. A question, another question worth asking ourselves is, am I looking to be offended? Because we have days, too, where it seems like the least, least little thing gets, gets on our craw 
and it upsets us and it disturbs us and we start having negative thoughts toward people. You know what, we've had bad days, each one of us has, where we probably should have stayed in bed that day because we're in a bad attitude and we're looking through uh, glasses that are darkened, you know, like real dark glasses and everything looks negative. Anything anybody says to us gets on our uh, nerves. Just as an example, you know, you got to call a, a toll-free number, maybe to get something fixed or to get something replaced. And hasn't it all happened to us? You hit 800 and you hit the, the number for this company and uh, somebody answers and you can tell right away. They don't speak English as a first language. This guy could be in Russia, China, uh, wherever. And he's having trouble understanding you, you're having trouble understanding him, and uh, you're trying to get this part that you need to order, or you try, try to get this thing returned because it doesn't work properly. And, you know, as he's struggling to understand you and you're struggling to get your point across, he says, well, I have to put you on hold for a minute. And you wait on the phone for about 15 or 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden you hear this click, and you're disconnected. <laughs> and you think, Lord help me, I can't take this. You know, why did they put these people in charge of, you know, answering calls and, and dealing with the public like this? But uh, you can't let that get at you. You got to understand, you know what, this person from another country was probably trying their hardest to understand me. And they've been put in a position and it's a real struggle for them. So I'm not going to hold it against them, you know. Uh, what if I was in charge of answering calls from Russia or China, trying to help people with product replacement or whatever the case may be? It would be very difficult. Like I said, little things can become big things real quick. A second thing we need to consider is consider the source of the offense. Is this person someone you love and respect? Then you might want to be more prone to actually sort the problem out. But if this person is a total stranger, you just need to throw it in the box. You may never encounter that person again in your lifetime. So what, what is it worth it? All the stress and anxiety you're going to feel? Simply write off the offense as somebody who is having a bad day and needs some grace from you. Remember we talked about how once you receive grace, God doesn't expect it to stay in you forever. He expects you to share it. He expects grace and forgiveness to flow out of you. Amen. Or you can take the other approach and say, well, you know, this guy who cut me off in traffic, either it was an accident, he didn't see me, or he's a jerk. <laughs> and I'm not going to play his game. I'm just going to slow down, back off of him, and let it go. But there are certain instances that have to be resolved. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Like I said, when something happens and hurts you deeply, and it's from a friend or someone that you really love and respect, there may be certain situations where that needs to be resolved. Rather, Matthew 5 verse 23. And this situation can become important. In fact, it becomes more important than worshiping God. Can you believe that? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, or if you have something against your brother, 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So God knows that in our human condition, these things can be so overwhelming in our minds that it can distract us from worshiping God. It can get in the way. Sometimes I'm preaching and there's somebody in the audience who's not listening to me and they're thinking, that dirty rat, I can't believe what he did to me last week. And you know, it might even be a church member, a fellow church member. So it can become a hindrance to the worship of God. And what God says is, take care of it. Take care of it. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus gave us an example of how to take care of it. And he talked about it again here in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. It doesn't matter who the offending party has been, the one worshiping or the other person, according to Jesus' story, the key is that God puts a priority on reconciliation and unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict usually obstructs the praise of the worshiper. So Jesus gave us some help. In this case, he's talking about two church members where an offense has taken place. Matthew 18, verse 15. He says, if your brother, now he's talking about a, a church brother or a, a fellow Israelite in, in this case. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. So your job is to go around church and say, that guy over there, you know what he did to me? You know, as we're sitting at our fellowship table, you're telling all the people at the fellowship table what this guy did to you, how he offended you. No, you go to him or her personally in a humble attitude. And you say, you know, you may not even realize it, but you said something last week that was hurtful to me. And the proper outcome of this, whenever this sort of thing happens, is for the one who has been hurt to go humbly, not angrily or not resentfully, but humbly. And like I said, just say, you may not realize it, but uh, you said this last week and it really hurt me. And the proper response is for the person to say, oh no, I, I didn't even realize it. When I said that, I didn't mean anything. I am so sorry. And for the first person to say, well, that's fine. I thank you. I forgive you. That's the way it should work out. It doesn't always work out that way. And in the case of two church members, uh, Jesus takes it uh, a step further. If he listens to you, you have won your brother or sister over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So hopefully that's not even necessary, that forgiveness and apologies take place and the matter is, is solved. The, the people are reconciled. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen now to the other witnesses who may have seen it happen, tell it to the church or the pastor. And if he refuses to listen even to the church or the pastor, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Because this guy doesn't have the capacity to forgive. He must not have the love of God in him. So there comes a time when the pastor needs to deal with this person and say, hey, listen, you need to forgive your brother or you need to apologize for what has been done. So Jesus sets up that step-by-step -step procedure. That's not what everybody, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't you know, force them to the side of the road and say, I don't wanna know you offended me when you cut me off. You know, sometimes when we cut somebody off unknowingly, 
we kind of maybe wave, sorry, that means sorry, and you know, it's, it, it's let go, it's gone. But like I said, you're probably never gonna see that person again, so why even bother? So both sides, when it comes to a close friend, maybe it's your mate, maybe it's a relative, that something happened at a family get-together. First of all, you should just let it go. You know, they're having a bad day, they said that to me, I'm not gonna bother with it, I forgive them. They didn't even realize maybe what they were doing, but sometimes they did know what they were doing. And uh, I hate to say it, but they might be a jerk, and they need to learn a lesson. <laughs> about watching their mouth and not being an offensive person. Now Jesus tells us that when we do this, when we try to reconcile our relationship with another person, the Holy Spirit will help us. In John 16, verse eight, John 16, verse eight, he was predicting the Holy Spirit coming to the church on Pentecost, but he said when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, he will convict the world of guilt. So there's something that has to happen in us when we hurt somebody else. An annoying awakening in us that, hey, you did something wrong. You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. Maybe you need to fix it. I, there have been times in my years of ministry where I said something or I did something and it could have been as simple as coming into church and you know back in those days we had a, a churches of two to three hundred people so you come in a room of two to three hundred people and like me I'm focused on my sermon I'm focused on is everything set up is the music ready to go are the videos ready to go and I could I can walk into a room like this and maybe say hi to a couple people as I'm trying to get up front here maybe to get services started and I happen to walk by somebody without looking at them and greeting them. And I've had people in, in times past get very upset with me and offended in me because I did not acknowledge them when I came into the church room or the church building. And I would apologize. And sometimes they would tell me about it and sometimes they wouldn't and kind of carry a grudge against me. Oh, he thinks he's a good pastor. He doesn't even acknowledge people when he comes into the room. Like I'm trying to snub people or ignore them. I'm not. I got a lot going on, okay? I tr we have a church so small now where I can personally greet everybody by name. And maybe even someday I don't greet you. Uh, I should be blamed for that. But when it comes to trying to reconcile yourself to other people who are not Christians, don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians in such matters. You do your best, you apologize, you say, you know what, I said something to you last night, and this morning I thought of it, and I thought, you dummy, why did you say that? That could have been an offense. You know, maybe you're trying to make a joke, and you end up offending somebody. See, that's the Holy Spirit working on you and your conscience, bringing things to your mind that you did that you shouldn't have done, and maybe in some cases you need to apologize for you can ask my wife. There have been times over the many years of ministering churches, I gotten home, or we were driving home from church, and I said to my wife, you know what, I think I may have offended somebody. You know, I was talking to this woman, and I made this comment, uh, and I think maybe she took it the wrong way. I, <laughs> I could tell by the look on her face. And when we get home, when we got home, I was quick to want to call that person. And to say, you know, I'm really sorry I said such and such to you, 
and uh, I didn't mean to offend you or say the wrong thing. And she may say, oh, I never took it that way. You know, that, that was funny to me what you said. But then there's sometimes people say, well, yeah, that did kind of hurt a little, hurt my feelings. And you being the pastor, you know, it made it hurt a little bit more. <laughs> so I would be very quick to apologize. And if somebody did the same thing to me, I've had people call me and say, you know, pastor, when you were leaving the building, I said this and that to you, and I just want to apologize. And I said, you know what? I never gave that a second thought. I said, I appreciate what you're doing, but, you know, that just rolled off my shoulder like water off a duck's back. So we should not be quick to be offended. We certainly shouldn't be quick to offend other people. In most cases of offense, we just let it go. We throw it in the stupid stuff today bag and let it go. Don't look back in it. Don't go searching through that. That's gone. Okay, that's history. The Apostle Paul said, leave the past alone and continue moving forward in your Christian walk. Forgetting the past, he said. So all those offenses from the past, even though, you know what, some of those things we may remember for a long time, but hopefully we can laugh about it. And to think, you know, that's one of those offenses Pastor John talked about, and I threw that in the stupid stuff for today bag. And there it sets. And I'm not going to look in it. But there are some offenses that we do have to deal with. When it's people who are especially close to us, husband and wife, uh, you know, close friend, we want to be reconciled to them. We want those relationships to continue on because God is all about relationships. If he wasn't all about relationships, why would he exist as three persons? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they've gotten along beautifully and perfectly, I don't want to say since creation, because they existed before there was any creation. They have existed eternally in peace, in unity, in love, and that's what we've been called to emulate in our lives. And like I said, God has given us the wherewithal to do that through his love. When we love one another or are kindly toward one another, that's not us. That's the love of God in us. So we need to demonstrate that. We need to share the grace that we've been given with other people. You know, we should catch ourselves before we even say anything in the first place and ask us those questions. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? And so on. But being in the end time and in a fallen world, things are going to happen. I want to conclude by reading something here that I wrote many years ago, but I think it sums the whole, whole question up. Grace is a gift that God never intended for us to hoard selfishly. Like so many of God's gifts, we were meant to share it generously. There is no better way to use the forgiveness we have been granted than to bestow it on, on others. Forgiveness is transforming, not just for the person receiving forgiveness, but also for the person who imparts it to others. There is no more powerful way to replicate the salvation of God than to grant forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. Let us remember that the God who loves to forgive dwells in us, and our duty is to walk in step with him. Rather than letting our fallen nature, with which we still struggle, become a roadblock to forgiveness, we should look upon others with compassion and mercy. And the final verse, I won't turn there, but Colossians 3:12 to 14, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.